Sometimes at 3 in the morning when I'm thinking about basketball instead of sleeping because I'm a sociopath. I mean, do they even offer scholarships to Big 12 defensive players? Attaché just sounds pretentious. We need to make a team of two-way contract players. I'll go away for a million dollars. I should just record everything I say. Welcome to I've Heard It Both Ways. If some meditation ain't working, so I'm about to lose it. I'm caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. Some meditation I wanted to talk about pizza. So I, I love Little Caesars. Without Little Caesars, I probably would have starved to death at some point in the last four to five years. But I think Little Caesars has actually pulled a really good con on all of us. Because you know they're like their extra most bestest stuff? No, I don't. Okay, you need to eat more pizza. <laughs> um, okay, so they have their regular pizza, and then yeah. they have the extra most bestest, which is like extra cheese, extra pepperoni, okay. whatever. And it's really good. But after you've had the extra most bestest for, you know, for a certain period of time, if you try and go back to just the regular $5 hot and ready, it's terrible afterwards. Because it seems like there's like six pepperonis for the whole thing. And there's like, they just took like three big slices of cheese and spread it out. And so I think they've just pulled a really good long con on all of us where we all get to the point where we'll no longer buy the $5 version. They can phase it out and then we'll just have to pay for the $6 version or six fifty or however much it is. Wow. You've uncovered a real conspiracy theory there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not that mad at it because I don't mind paying the extra dollar and change or whatever, but it's just I, I bought a, a regular one today because I didn't have any of the other ones hot and ready at the moment, <laughs> which is always disappointing. And I was just like, wow, this just tastes like bread with a hint of pizza on it. See, when I think of Little Caesars, I think we are feeding the mass group just because it's the cheap Getting, what I love about it going. is it's cheap and it's fast because like when you call Domino's and they're like, oh, it's going to be 45 minutes. Like, I don't have time for that. That's fair. I mean, all I really eat anyways is pizza and cereal, so I don't have time to wait because I could literally die of starvation at any moment since I don't eat anything. Yeah, you, you just have to slowly wean yourself off of food. So when the oh, apocalypse I, comes, I'm, you I'm, can last I'm incredibly I'm incredibly well prepared for the apocalypse because like... I eat a real meal like maybe once every 36 hours. The rest of it I just survive off of like granola bars and a bowl of cereal every once in a while. You can't have a full meal too often or else you just become too dependent on a full meal. Yeah, I I, I probably only consume like 1,200 real calories a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily we have our buffet of sports and that's really how we stay alive. Um, college basketball starts today, which is exciting. I guess we, technically it started... Kicks you know what? Off. It doesn't kick off until ESPN says it kicks off. Freaking. I, well, why did they cancel the tip-off marathon? Yeah, see, I was okay with ESPN telling us when the college basketball season's tipped off because of that 24-hour marathon. The dream that we're all, all of us as a society are pushing towards, if I understand society, which I don't, <laughs> but the dream is 24-7 sports, right? Oh, yeah. And that was the one day a year that it was literally true. There was a game on every second... For 24 straight hours. I loved watching the 3 a.m. Hawaii versus yeah, you get like Long Island Brooklyn. Valpo versus Stephen F. Austin. And it was like, this was that school's moment to shine. And yeah. you took it away, ESPN. You took it away. I know. And now we're in year two of the drought. Hopefully they bring it back. Because that's just something that makes college basketball great. Like, that's what we should be voting on. It's election day and everybody and their dog is, is, is eager to tell you that they voted. We need to be voting on that sort of thing. Because that's the only way I think we're going to get it back. That's what brings happiness. That's what, yes, yeah. Politics, empty calories, sports, are they are del- a nutritious, delicious, superfood smoothie. That might be one of the dumber things I've ever said, but you get my point. 
College basketball. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, college basketball. Um, Michigan State fell to Kansas already. It seems like Kansas was in Kansas was in control the whole game. Anytime Michigan State was able to get in with five points. Well, they they got some open looks down the stretch. Like <clears throat> I remember they they had it within ten or seven or six for like on like you said on multiple occasions. And I remember that with about three minutes left, they got an open three, could have cut it to, I think, four or five points, missed it, uh, you know, spent a couple possessions just doing nothing and throwing up bad shots at the end. So it's like they just couldn't pull themselves back into the game for whatever reason. Yeah, and then right now, Duke's really taking it to Kentucky. So, that, oh, no, that's the... Duke and their army of freshmen. Kentucky, I'm glad Kentucky has nothing but veterans on that floor. So speaking of that, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, I, I don't know if sad is the right word because I used to hate Duke and I'm actually a, a mild Duke fan. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's sad to you. Um, but it's kind of sad that Coach K has just kind of fallen into the Calipari method of things, I feel like. Meaning he doesn't really coach anymore. He just recruits really good players, right? Oh, yeah. Like last year... That team, they, he just gave up trying to get them to play man defense. And he's like, well, we're just going to play this weird, like, 4-1-1-4, I don't even know what, <laughs> zone. Because he couldn't get them to play defense. Like, those guys were athletic enough and good enough. He should have been able to get them to play defense. I find that he, I find it interesting that he fell into that trap just because if you look at the one-and-done history, those don't really result in championships. How many one-and-done teams have won a championship? The Kentucky the team? Kentucky team, that Which, beat the team that should have been Marcus Page's North Carolina team. Not. The greatest controversy. So really, not <laughs> even, has a one-and-done team really won? And But that Kentucky team as well had a mix of veterans as well. They had the Terrence Jones on the team. Who else was there? We, we talked about we talk, that we whole roster last we, time. We don't need to get into this. But And they also had a perennial talent in Anthony Davis, like once in a generation there. Yeah, well, and that leads me to another point is I, I feel like some of these like legendary coaches, I mean, are we sure they're actually that good of coaches anymore? Because they've obviously proven themselves. But like Coach K last year, that Duke team, I think wildly underachieved given the roster they had. Tom Izzo last year, watching Syracuse beat Michigan State, I mean, it was nice because I like Syracuse, but... Just him not putting Miles Bridges in the high post or any oh, playmaker yeah. in the high post. That was insane. That like, was that was painful to watch because like Tom Izzo took a huge to me because I I've always kind of like worshipped at the Tom Izzo throne for years. But watching that March. last year, it was like it was like when I was five years old and found out or not found out when I figured out there was no Santa Claus. Actually, that wasn't disappointing, but it's it would have been like that for a normal person. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad because. I was in the same boat as you because Michigan State was clearly the better team. Talent-wise, they were 18 billion times better. And you would think it was just an easy adjustment that a lot of high school coaches could make any time. Oh, I was just watching at home. I was like, why don't they just put Bridges in the high post? Because he would have dominated in the high post there in that, against that he had shooting range. He could make plays off the dribble pass. He could have just taken... He, they had the apart. tailor-made player to beat the zone. And they didn't even... They just stuck him in the corner. Like, here, take contested jump shots. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And really, when's the last time Michigan State has had a decent run in the NCAA tournament? Because the year before, they were upset <laughs> by the 15 seed. Well, they made it to the Final Four in 2015 as like a 7 seed or a 10 seed. Oh, yeah. Like okay. But, but they have widely underachieved. And, and that team widely overachieved. So, But the point is, maybe Tom Izzo isn't as good as we think he is, which is a hard thing for me to say. 
now. He he was. Yeah, he he's maybe he's lost it a little. Lost bit. Lost it, and that. that's a better way to put it. Which and then so, which means we need to. I think if we're taking down these other coaches a peg, we need to bump Jay Wright and his collection of suits. Who do you think? Ha- okay, which do you think is bigger, Jay Wright's suit collection or my jersey collection? I think it would be tough to topple the jersey collection of. I wasn't fishing for that, but I appreciate it. (laughs) But why we bring up Jay Wright is because obviously, like, he's built a really kind of like a, I don't know if you can call it an empire yet per se, but I mean, they have two championships in three years now, right? Yeah. And they've consistently been, you know, a top five program over the last five years, I'd say. So I think, are we going to have to say Jay Wright's actually the best coach in college now? I honestly would right now because he's not someone that goes out and he hasn't fallen into the trap that all these other high profile coaches have of just recruiting the best players available. He's not recruiting the best talent, most talented players. He's recruiting the players that are best for his system. The players that will play well together and yeah. develop. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point of coaching, I feel like. Oh, yeah, no doubt. With my number one overall draft pick, take Jay Wright <laughs> as my head coach if I was an athletic director. Jim, Jim Beheim would be my second pick. <laughs> I mean, you'd only get him for like two more years. I don't know. If hey, you... that's, two good, that's two years of possible national championship contention. <laughs> get under the right conditions. <laughs> And I don't really know if we should bag on or praise him. But Roy Williams, he, he's kind of in that middle. Like, I wouldn't say he's someone that goes out and recruits that top talent. North Carolina never has, like, the number one recruit coming in. I mean, they in North Carolina, so they still have a respectable I th- I depth the nor- of chart. the North Carolina mystique just kind of does the recruiting on its own. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. But they don't have a ton of those one-and-done guys. And well, you've you know, seen the success I, it, from it. It hurts me to say this because I've I've converted into a, an ardent Carolina hater over the last few years, but Carolina has never had that like early early embarrassing tournament exit that like Duke has had and that Villanova has had and Virginia had last year and like a lot of these other big programs they've never had that so we do have to give props to Roy and the team for that. I'm gonna knock on wood real quick. Just, I'm, I'm trying just to because something. the 2019 season is upon us. But I think there is a point to that because even when they had perennial talent like that, Kendall Marshall, Harrison Barnes, Tyler Zeller team, yeah, those Harris, guys... Harrison Barnes, right. <laughs> those guys were three-year players when they finally left. Or it, maybe they're sophomores, but they weren't the one and done. They weren't the one and done. Maybe that's the new mark of a good coach is... You have to A, win, and B, keep your players. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like you either do want, you, you either get all your good players and then just reload the next year, or you just suck. And does that problem with the NCAA fall on the NBA for, I would rather see a system where it's two or none. So you either have to go to college for two years or you just go straight to the pros. Oh, I, I would definitely be in favor of that. Yeah, because then those high marquee athletes go to the NBA Plus, you know, like, I always feel bad for a kid who, I can't believe I'm calling them kids now, I swore. I <laughs> but these guys who, they have really high stock, and kind of the thing is, oh, they he'd go to the NBA if, if he could right now. Like like Giles, what was his name? Harry Giles from yeah. Duke. He was kind of a up-and-coming prospect, had a whole bunch of knee injuries. And I think, you know, he's in the league now, but he didn't. He lost himself a whole bunch of money by going to college. Oh, yeah, because he Although, was you know, a second-round everyone, everyone who goes to college loses money, so... I don't feel that bad. Well, on paper, who knows about under the table? Well, that's true. I know I lost money going to college. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's fair. So I may have lost money uh, as part of the college experience, but you can win some money by taking these signature Final Four picks to the bank. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm that confident. Just kidding. I like I'm it. almost certain none of these will happen. But do you want to go first or should I? Go ahead. Okay. I have three picks that I'm very confident with, or very, in, much, in which I have much confidence, and one that I have no idea. I'm going to start with Syracuse because, as we saw last year, the Syracuse zone can, win, can literally win you games that you have no business winning. So they'll have that because they've always had it. But this year they have like actual talent and depth, which they didn't have last year. Because last year they were – I love Syracuse, but they were not a joy to watch because it was just Tyus Battle taking mid-range jump shots, wearing dope Kyrie threes. And it was not fun. But this year Battle's back. Hopefully he can rein in his shot selection. But they have all five starters back from last year, plus the depth that they didn't have the last couple of years. So they have that. I'm going to put Virginia in the Final Four. I think they'll, because so much of, you know, the tournament is just emotion and, and riding the wave or whatever, and they'll have the world's biggest chip on their shoulder after, you know, what happened last year. Screw you, NBC, by the way. Um, but they have Kyle Guy coming back, uh, Jerome, is his first Robinson. or last name, Jerome? Jerome Robinson. Um, Hunter, they have Jack Salt, which is just a great name for a white center. <laughs> But they, you know, they have a lot of their pieces back, and plus with that system, it's super easy to integrate new guys. So, Virginia, Syracuse. I'm gonna put Duke. I don't really want to, but they have a ton <sighs> of talent. Literally, all Coach K has to do is just get like 20% of that team's talent into potential, into actual results, and they'll they should be fine. And then for my fourth team, let me spin a wheel here really fast. I'm gonna go with Gonzaga, which again, I don't really feel like doing it, but. I couldn't think of anyone better to send the invite to, so That's I'm fair. not even gonna try and defend that one. Just Gonzaga. So well, I thought about playing Gonzaga in, and I would say they're my fifth team because they returned five of their six top play top scores. Tilly is hurt, so that's something for the first beginning. And then their transfers oh, are yeah. transfer you freaking yeah, like all their new players are old players, so that's not a bad pick at all. But I just couldn't put Gonzaga in there, so these are my four. Like you, I'll start with the ones I'm similar with. I put Virginia in there. Pretty much all the reasons it's you did. Ty Jerome is the guy I was thinking of, I think. I'm sorry, it's just been bothering me. Let me look at let me pull oh, it real fast. I think you're right. It's Ty Jerome. The other team I was playing in, this is where I messed you up. I'm going to put in Virginia Tech as well and Justin Robinson. Buzz Williams is still at Virginia Tech, right? And that's another reason why I'm putting him in. The Buzz I, Williams defense. I love Buzz Williams, but I'm not. I'm not. Uh, sorry, carry on. That is my. That is that was my fourth team into the Final Four. Okay. So I'm hoping for the Hokies and their defense behind good guard play and Justin Robinson, and then I have Virginia with Kyle Guy, who's my favorite player in all of college basketball. I do like Kyle Guy. And then I put in with much shame the Kentucky Wildcats. It's a low moment for you. Just because they're they're very reminiscent of the 2012 Kentucky team, they have a lot of young talent, but a good mix of. They don't have that like veteran. They don't have players. that standout star though. Well, no, I mean, they, they do not. They could ha- they could have one you know a month from now, but yeah, we we don't know who it is. But I do like Travis Reed. I watched him play a lot at Stanford. He's a solid player who plays both ends of the floor, which is huge, and he's a great leader. So I think by the end of the season, the Wildcats will be in the Final Four. And then my fourth team, I'm sticking with the Buzz Williams theme and going with the Marquette Golden Eagles. Wild. I Just mean, you, because, know, you know I'm all for an old Big East pick, but... And the reasoning behind this is because they have probably the best guard in the game in Marcus Howard, 
who's a lights-out three-point shooter. You could have just said Vanderblue with a three-point shot. <laughs> but only you and I would understand that reference. But he's going to be better than Vanderblue. Because oh, he's going to lead the Golden whoa, Eagles to whoa. a Final Four. Slow it down there. So I'm looking forward. <laughs> Vanderblue would have led that Marquette team to a Final Four, but he ran into the buzzsaw known as the Syracuse team that year. Just no, Van, gonna, no, no, Vander, no Vanderblue slander. You're better than this. Well, Marcus Howard is going to beat down Tyus Battle in a legendary Elite Eight game to send the Golden Eagles to the Final Four. So I have Kentucky, Virginia, Marquette, and Virginia Tech. Look forward to being wrong. I mean, there weren't a lot of good options at this point in the season, but I'm going to stick to it, and I'm going to look really smart at the end. All right. The odds on that have to be amazing for a few of those teams, so I definitely put a few bucks on that. You put $10 down on it in total, and you end up a millionaire. Yep. Awesome. So you have Kentucky in your final four. I'm just disappointed that you do Vanderblue like that. But anyways, Kentucky, former Wildcat, now in the NBA, Jamal Murray, uh, had 48 against the Celtics the other day. Nuggets are playing great. They are. Um, And then he, he took that shot, the three, right before the buzzer, Kyrie did not approve, chucked the ball into the stands. Kyrie's still mad about it. He's like, that's not how you play the game. Well, guess what, Kyrie? If you don't want him to try and get 50 on you, don't let him get to 48 points in the first place. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I, I just I hate how uptight people are about those sort of things. Like like when guys go down and dunk the ball with like two seconds left and guys are mad about it, like if they're already ahead. Like, oh, if you didn't like that, maybe don't lose next time. It won't bother you if you're, if you, it won't bother you if you're not winning. Or excuse me, if you're not losing. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly on that one because what I also thought was interesting, it's not like Jamal Murray was driving to the hoop to go and get his 50 points because he could have gone and tried to draw a foul or something to get 50. Or, but he, he, he was shot at, it at 40, He was at 48, so he just needed any bucket. Yeah, he, and he just shot it from, like, it Steph Curry land yep. and didn't make it, but I have no problem with the shot at all. I, I just hate when people get all uptight about that. Like, like uh, Michael Thomas had that touchdown for the Saints to, to put away the Rams, and then he pulled the cell phone out of the goalpost. Yeah. It was an homage to the Joe Horn thing back in 2003. And then afterwards, the Fox guys were talking about it. And Michael Strahan was like, you know, I was on the field. I was going to imitate Michael Strahan and his (laughs) his weird toothy voice, but I can't do it. Um, But he said, I was on the field for the first time when Joe Horn did it. And I watched it now when it just happened. And I didn't like it either time. Like, well, if you don't like it, don't let him score. It's that simple. If you score, and I've got to credit this to Tim because he's the one that said it. He's like, if you score a game-winning touchdown, new rule. you got to do whatever the bleep you want. And I'm on board with that rule. I think that's fair, too. Because if you look on Monday night when um, the Titans quarterback, Bird, got the interception in the end zone, he went and danced on the Dallas Star. <laughs> and, I mean, being a Cowboy fan, I hated that. And Byron Jones went and pushed him off it. But they did. A, he did a homage to Terrell, Terrell to Owens, Terrell doing, Owens yeah. doing it. But like, you can't be too upset when you make a play. I mean, I you like don't. the after effect having Jones going punching I, I, him I after. Love it. Like, if the guy does that, yeah. you go tackle him. It's fine. But if you make the play, I have no problem with you. Yeah, like you you earned the right to do it, basically. Yeah. So that was that's that's just been bothering but, me for the last couple of days, but. Let me go one for there is a fine line. I was going to say celebratory. I, I was waiting for this before acting like you've been there. there there's a fine line between doing that. You gotta, In football, you gotta, it's different because you wide receivers have that moment only if yeah, it's a certain as, amount of time. Not as frequent. Yeah, the defense the defense rests. <laughs> yes. So 
aside from Jamal Murray, what are some NBA storylines that have caught your attention? I'm enjoying well, the Rockets not being very good since we called that. They, you were right on the ball on that one. I didn't think they would be in this much of a trouble. I mean, they've improved like somewhat from their, their rough start, but they still got a long ways to go, and they won't get there. And I'm, I think as it goes, they're going to become more and more desperate for Jimmy Butler. Well, then they offer like four first-round picks or something yeah. crazy for him. And, and he, he would make that team really good, I think. I'm not sure. I think on the defensive end, he would make it really good. But D'Antoni's offense is pick and roll with those two players. Like That's how true. effective it, Butler would be reduced to that corner three guy. And he, yeah. So it if he's still, willing to would, accept that role, yeah, it would still be an upgrade, though. Oh, it would definitely be an upgrade, and I think it helps him. But if I'm not sure if Butler would be accept that role, because he's, he's all about the respect, yeah, he's you know. Insane. As the Rockets get more desperate, the likelihood of Jimmy Butler increases. And I think took the, Timber- words, took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and I think the Timberwolves dynasty will be born out of this trade. I mean, I've been waiting on the Timberwolves dynasty for quite some time. Basically, since, but since Kevin four, Garnett left the Timberwolves. <laughs> but four first round draft picks are Celtics Nets type of trade. Yeah, because that I mean, we don't the Rockets experiment could self destruct at any time. Apollo thirteen style eleven. What was the one that blew up? Whatever, I'm not well-versed in space history, but you get my point. <laughs> so in my my playoff, my Eastern Conference playoff bracket, I had both the Wizards and Cavs make, snagging playoff spots. In retrospect, that's looking dumber and dumber as the days go by. But in my defense, I actually thought the Cavs would be a viable playoff team, only because not having LeBron there, everyone was going to be so much freer, play so much easier, just able to breathe once again and like i figured they'd just be able to have zero expectations and just go out and play ball and somehow snag a playoff spot that's not going to happen with the wizards that was just me being stupid i should have realized that no amount of talent can overcome a team that every member on which every member hates every other member so my bad (laughs) well i picked the wizards as well i mean i still think they have time to recover but how long do they have until they blow it up? I would have traded John Wall yesterday if I was them. I think John Wall is one of the most overrated players in the league. I, I agree. He contributes nothing if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. And even when he does have, have the ball in his hands, he's not particularly efficient. So, Yeah, I think we've talked about this before and how Jimmy Butler and John Wall should be on the same team. Someone would get shot. Probably just in like the thigh or something. But I'm Team Bradley Bill on this. Oh, definitely. I would keep Bill and ship off Wall to a desperate Lakers team. It's just somebody that you you could they basically jumpstart a rebuild like that. Yeah. Five years from now, the Wizards are the powerhouse of the East. And a big matchup that's coming is the Bucks and the Warriors. The Warriors obviously have nothing left to prove for the next twenty years. It seems like, but for the Bucks, that'll be a huge test of where they're at. Yeah, and I think the Bucks will come with that chip on their shoulder, and I wouldn't be surprised if they walked away with a win there just because they have so much more to play for at this point in the season. The funny thing with the Warriors is it's like they just kind of mess around for a while, and then they decide, okay, like these t- this team is for real, let's give it a shot, or they think, ah, we can win this game sleepwalking through it, and then they just go. So I'm excited to see at how long it takes them to, to pick it up and you know be the actual Warriors and not just... A bunch of guys throwing a ball around a gym. And Kevin Durant will get his chance to prove he's the defensive player of the year, caliber player. I hope Giannis drops a 1,000 points on him. 
Imagine if Giannis develops that a killer shot. Could he be stopped? I can't imagine how because it doesn't matter where he picks the ball up. He's within range of a finger roll, so there'd be literally nothing you could do. He'd shoot 8,000 free throws a game because you'd have to play up on him and then he'd just blow by you. So yeah. he, your big man would get fouled out in five minutes. I think that's something to look like, in the next five years. A if, great offensive blueprint for the last however long LeBron has been in the league is just LeBron plus four shooters. If you just took Giannis plus four shooters, it'd basically be equally as unstoppable. And I think they'd be better defensively. Just Giannis and four 3 and D guys. Yeah. And I love Budenholzer. I really think that Milwaukee is brewing something special. So who who do you think goes farther this season, the Celtics or the Bucks? That's a good question. I mean, it's hard to go against the Celtics at this point just because of how much talent they have. I like they're only six and four right now, but it's kind of hard to work Kyrie back in and work Hayward all the way back in. Like Hayward has been bad this year. I mean, not bad, but not good. Um, so once they get him worked back in, I think the Celtics will just get better and better as the year goes on. But if I was the Celtics, I would have traded Terry Rozier in the offseason last year. I agree with you, too. Because his trade value was incredibly high. Like, you had idiots. I mean, these people were idiots, but they were saying, oh, you can just trade Kyrie. You don't need Ro- you don't need Rozier. So I think they really missed out. They could have picked up, you know, something else of value because Rozier really isn't, isn't particularly valuable to them if he's not playing starter minutes. I don't know exactly why that is. I think he, like, he kind of, he, in his mind, he's like, I proved I can be a starter last year or last year in the playoffs or whatever. So I should be starting now. And when he doesn't have those starter minutes, he's just not the same player because he doesn't, you know, he feels like he has that, he has a negative chip on his shoulder, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So what would have Boston traded for well, Rozier? I, I don't know. Unfortunately, it's not my job to know. But, yeah. but they could have picked up, I don't know, future draft picks or something. Something. Just fleece somebody like they did the Nets. <laughs> Another team in the East that we should probably mention because they're playing incredible basketball right now are the Toronto Raptors, even with Kawhi only playing, missing four games. They're averaging like 118 points a game. Siakam has been incredible. Yeah. Which, like, I, I mean, I think it wasn't, it's not a huge surprise to see him playing better than he did last year. It is a surprise to see him playing this much better. Uh-huh. Because last year he was just, like, one of those super long athletic dudes who, you know, one minute he makes a sweet steal, goes down and dunks in traffic, and then the next minute he dribbles it off his foot and falls down, so... Yeah, that that's probably the biggest surprise for that Raptors team. And they're it's crazy that we have these we were thought the East was already kind of set in a certain way. Like I mean, we thought it'd be Boston was the team to beat, mm-hmm. but there's competitors ready already. And we haven't even talked about the Sixers. Do we want to though? No, we don't. Okay, I didn't I good because I didn't have anything to say about them. Okay. I mean the the only thing that's unsettled in the the East is those, you know, those bottom, I don't know, four playoff spots or whatever, but mm-hmm. who cares? They're all going to get destroyed anyways. <laughs> Jumping over to the West, I feel like the Nuggets have kind of been the big story in the West. And it's obviously been their defense because the sco- the scoring has always been there. Their yeah. offense has always been there. That's what I thought would be their downfall this year was on the defensive side of the ball. But right now I think they're third in defensive efficiency. But I did watch them play the Jazz the other night. And the dumb thing was, like, I didn't think they played that good of defense. The Jazz just missed a bunch of open shots and then gave up. Yeah, when Mitchell went down in the fourth quarter there, it seemed like the air was just sucked well, e- out of the Jazz. Even before that, they weren't even playing that well, though. But it really went out after that, so. 
Is there reason for concern if you're Utah? I don't think so. Defense is just the core of this Jazz team, and so if they're not playing defense, they're just going to be out of whack. And because they're not guarding anybody, I think it just affects them in all phases of the game. So if they can just remember that they're one of the best defensive teams on the face of the earth, they should be okay. Yeah, I think and Sorry, and Donovan Mitchell needs to stop pressing because he's shooting like 6 for 22 every night. And if he just, if he just gets back and plays within himself, that, that, I think their issues will kind of work themselves out. So we've mentioned this multiple multiple times throughout the episode so far, but the Jazz were kind of had that swagger going on last year, and now they have more of an expectation, and they aren't playing with that edge that they, they have. Yeah, they were playing with house money last year, yeah. and then this year it's like, okay, you're supposed to be good. I think it's harder to go out and meet those expectations because you, you play you you like you press more, and Whereas, especially with management, tr- they didn't make any major moves this off season. They're like, okay, we think we have a ca- quality team here. What what bothers me as a Jazz fan is to win a championship, you basically have to go over the luxury tax. You have to smash the luxury tax. And the Jazz have never been willing to do that. So it's kind of like you want to say to the Millers, like, hey, guess what? If you want to win, you're going to have to pay a whole bunch of money for it. That's just the way this league works. Speaking about another team that's off to a slow start, the Los Angeles Lakers have had that. Magic Johnson had that meeting with Luke Walton. Did you make anything of that? Um... I mean, I'd be nervous if I was Luke Walton, but I don't know. Do you think Luke Walton makes it through the season? Depends on if LeBron wants Luke Walton to make it through the season because as we've seen in over the last few years of LeBron, if LeBron doesn't want you to be the coach, you are not the coach. That's fair. But there's also a different style of management. Like when he, was the heat, when he went to the Heat, Pat Riley's like, Eric Spolcher is our guy, and he kind of backed him and, and kind of told LeBron, LeBron. Like, LeBron respected Pat Riley, obviously. Yeah. He's the NBA godfather. And then, obviously, he didn't respect literally anybody in, the management, <laughs> in Cleveland management. And why should he have, obviously? Yeah, but I think it would be a major mistake for Magic Johnson to fire Luke Walton just because then you're saying a president of... If things don't go right, we're just going to bail on people. Yeah, and I think there's a, something to be said with stability in any sport. I mean, you look at the Spurs. Obviously, they've been the most stable organization in the whole NBA for two decades now. And I think everybody kind of wrote them off coming into the season. And they're, I mean, they're 6-3 and three right now. It's that Obviously, they haven't been as stable with the whole Kawhi thing and you know a little bit of LaMarcus drama the last couple of years. But they're still, they're still standing. Yeah, and also... The Lakers aren't supposed to win a championship this year, and I think pushing it too early could be a big mistake just because they're playing with house money and kind of seeing what they have right now. And if they make it to the second round of the Western Conference, like that's, 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 a success. that's a big win, yeah. Now, if they don't make the playoffs, then I could see it. But if, if you were trying to win a championship, let's say they, they are in championship mode, would you want Luke Walton as your coach? I don't know. I don't know who else was out there that I would rather have, though. I mean, I, I think we're both in agreement that unless you have like a, a Brad Stevens or a Quinn Snyder, like your coach isn't that important. So overall, I, I think the Western Conference has been far more intriguing than the Eastern Conference, which I feel like that's kind of been for most of our lives. Okay. But anyways, your Grizzlies pick looking smashingly good. I mean, they're five and four, but that's better than a lot of people put them at. The Pelicans are only four and six which I think... After getting off to a 4-0 start. Mm-hmm. So that's another one is 
Anthony Davis can kind of hold that organization hostage. If he doesn't deliver, then they don't win. And they don't really don't have that bad of a roster. They have a solid roster around him. I was listening to Tracy McGrady today. And he, I never would have guessed that he'd be a good analyst, but I actually think he's a really good analyst. Yeah, and to, this was to his point is like, hey, he wanted to be this 40-point guy. Like, I took pride in being I had to go out and try to score 40 every night because they were talking, is Anthony Davis tired of being that player he was for most of that second half after the DeMarcus Cousins injury? And Tracy McGrady's like, I, I took pride in having to do that every night. That was my job. I think that that was an interesting perspective because a lot of it has been negative. Uh-huh. Maybe it's on Anthony Davis. Is this is well, what he wanted? Yeah, I was gonna say we'll we'll learn a lot about Anthony Davis over the coming weeks because some guys are just built for that, a la T Mac and Kobe and whoever else, and some guys are not. Yeah. So, jumping over to something else that we haven't really talked about as much over the last couple of weeks. Um, in college football, earlier in the year, we were talking about the Big 12, and I was talking about how, like, hey, it's great. Who cares that no one plays defense? Punters are evil. Kicking is bad. I've kind of done a 180 on that because, you know, with Texas that? with Texas Tech and Oklahoma, you watch them just, you know, put light up the scoreboard, and it was like, well, whoever has the ball last will probably just go score and win. And then while I was watching Texas and West Virginia, when Texas scored with, like, a minute and a half left, I'm like, there's no question that West Virginia is going to score. And then once West Virginia did score – and they lined up to go for two. I was like, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to get it. And they got it twice. They had to run, you know, they had to do it twice because of the timeout. But it's just like, if you're a high school player and you're only, and you're a defensive player, you're, you know, D lineman, defensive back, linebacker, whatever, if you're only getting offers from Big 12 schools, how does that make you feel? Ooh. Like you realize, oh, That's dang, great I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at this. I don't know, <laughs> because if the only schools that want me are the schools that don't even care about defense, what does that say about me? I mean, do they even offer scholarships to Big 12 <laughs> defensive players? <laughs> They're probably all walk-ons. They just, go like, they just go around campus, be like, hmm, you look athletic. You want to play D-line for me? <laughs> yeah, the defensive players of the Big 12 are the players that are like the fifth-string wide receivers <laughs> and O-linemen. Something like that, because it's just ridiculous. Like The only schools that I feel like actually do play some sort of defense are like K-State, TCU, Iowa State, and those teams have been kind of middle-to-bottom teams in the conference for the last decade or whatever i yeah. mean tcu's had a run here and there but iowa state's never done anything memorable um kansas state's always eight and four or, or worse <laughs> except for the year of uh, what was the name oh, colin klein colin klein i but loved colin klein I, i've done a 180 on that though because it's just kind of boring when you know like okay they're gonna score and then they're gonna score and then they're gonna score yeah. like i don't mind the occasional shootout it's fun but every game being a shootout just it if you want some competition between the lines you know mm-hmm Oh, and while we're here in the Big 12, I do owe Sam Ellinger, who obviously does listen to this program, uh, I do owe him a huge apology because I was, I've was i trashed on him a lot the first couple of weeks of the season. But the other day against West Virginia, he set, uh, I believe it's a conference record for most consecutive pass attempts without an interception. And my biggest beef with him was I've watched him throw like four game-ending interceptions because he had one against Maryland earlier this year. He had one against Oklahoma State last year. I don't remember the others, but... He's actually played a lot better this season, so you're welcome for you're welcome, you're welcome, Sam, for lighting that fire. So, have you? Do you think Texas is overrated still? I do think they are a little bit overrated. Like it didn't shock me at all that they lost to, to Oklahoma State, um, but they are. I mean, they're they're closer to being back than they have been in years. Obviously. All right, we'll wrap up our program with our first ever story of the week, brought to you by. Exactly. 
I don't know how the story got out now. Well, I, I guess it was a retelling of the story. Yeah, it was, it was a li- former linebacker for the Raiders. Can't remember his name, but he was on you know one of the talk shows, and he go and they they were talking about how they were worried that Jamarcus Russell wasn't you know wasn't watching film or whatever. So they gave him some tapes, told him to watch them. He's like, okay, I got it. And then he comes back the next day. They're like, so what'd you think? And he's like, oh, I you know I. I'm good to go. Like let's let's run the stuff or whatever. And they asked him what he what he watched in specific, and he's like, "Oh, I watched about blitz packages." And they're like, "Bro, these were blank tapes." Oh my gosh! Could you imagine being the coach that had to like? This is a number one pick. In the like, room. He's, he's supposed to be the franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think imagine. that's when every like every member of the Raiders staff was like, "Well, I'm gonna be looking for a job in a few months." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine being the guy that pitched Jamarcus Russell as the number one overall pick. Oof. It was not a good day. Not a good day. Like at all. just their heart sunk into their stomach there. But you know what? I I actually that just made me love Jamarcus Russell because <laughs> if you can get paid that much to do that little, like that's the dream. Like I'm putting him up. Ne- I'm putting his poster up next to the Vonte Davis poster in my room. Well, and it appears Vonte Davis has kind of s- started a trend in retirements did you hear about the east stroudberg's coach it's oh a, yeah who just like called the fourth time yeah, he's walked off after it was 45 seasons <clears throat> he's been coached for 45 seasons and calls his fourth time out just during the game takes the penalty and retires walks off the field another day i don't know how i feel about that one i mean because the coach is the leader of yeah like what do you i mean I'm not going to criticize him because I obviously don't care. I don't care that much, but at the same time, it's like, it's kind of a, kind of a selfish move, but Hey, do what you got to do, I guess. I mean, I guess some people like they don't want to be that lame duck and kind of have that retirement looming over them. So they just call it quits right then. True. I mean, it's different. Although if I was, in if, a I was him, game. I, if I was him, I would have stayed because you announced your retirement at the beginning of the year, because then when you do your tour of the league. <sighs> Everyone gives you your retirement gifts or whatever. Although I don't know if that's a thing in D3 football. I mean, it would have become a thing because everyone obviously respects whatever his name is so much. Yeah. Well, look, Tim Duncan retired because he didn't want a farewell tour. Tim Duncan's a legend. So I would have voted for Tim Duncan for president. <laughs> Happy election day, everyone. Swear I'm about to lose it. Caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. If some meditation ain't working, that's why I'm about to lose it. Cause I caught up in my cranium, and it's feeling quite clueless, quite clueless. If my meditation ain't working, so I'm about to lose it, lose it. Caught up in my cranium, it's got me feeling quite clueless.